This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. I want you to get mad. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Dear friends, welcome to the program. For Sunday, May the 8th, 2011, it was just about this time last week, I was all set uh, with a, a program, but as uh, they say, the best laid plans of mice and men. Uh, I was going to speak uh, about the uh, the continuing saga of uh, President Barack Obama's origin of birth, and we got into that a little bit, and then, of course, the proverbial uh, kaka hit the fan, and um, we learned that Osama bin Laden, number one on the FBI's most wanted list, was dead. Again. Uh, perhaps for the third or fourth time for those keeping score at home. Uh, and, of course, that remains front and center. We will discuss that in just a few moments. We were also, last week, supposed to talk with Dr. John Apsley uh, about the other big story that's out there, and that is the continuing travails of the uh, situation in Japan, Fukushima a nuclear plant, uh, although it may have been um, uh, temporarily uh, taken off the the front section of the newspaper, it still uh, it still looms very large. In fact, let me just um, read very quickly uh, before we get to Joel Skousen from World Affairs Brief. This is an email I received last week as I was set to speak with Dr. John Apsley about what the government is not telling us about Fukushima and the long-term, short-term health concerns. Uh, this individual. Uh, Joseph uh, is in Toronto, and I I had the pleasure of meeting Joseph a couple years ago. Anyway, he says that he owns a Geiger counter, an Inspector Alert handheld, which is a pretty sensitive model. He says, without getting into too much detail, normal background cosmic radiation is usually between 10 to 35 CPM, that's counts per minute, and jumps around randomly in that range. In the couple of weeks following Fukushima, nothing registered in the western GTA, South Mississauga to be exact, beyond that range. You can always tell cosmic background radiation, he says, not just by the CPM range, but by how randomly the counts jump around in that range. As of about three weeks ago, I have started to get sustained readings, i.e. not random, in the 50 to 70 CPM range when I would take direct readings off my lawn or shrubs. This would be through placing the pancake tube of the counter within about 
two inches of the plant. Clearly, there was radiation in the precipitation that was being collected or filtered in the plants. However, when he backed off the counter, or sorry, when I backed off the counter tube from the plants or lawn and just held it up in the air, the count went back down to background radiation levels, 10 to 35 CPM. This is the worrisome part. For the past two weeks, I have been getting the 50 to 70 CPM sustained readings, not just when I held the Geiger tube close to the lawn or plants, but when I held it up in the air. This, in effect, means that the radiation is now strong enough here that it has increased background radiation, not just off the ground where radiation would aggregate. I've posted this on several chat boards in the past several weeks, but is getting completely overshadowed by all the other things in the news. Libya, the economy, birth certificates, etc. I feel like I'm barking in the wind, and certainly the mainstream media is completely ignoring the issue. My wife and I personally are taking uh, magnificent iodine, and we're giving our daughters kelp drops. I would normally take such measures. I would not, not normally, t- normally take such measures unless I was absolutely sure of there being justification for doing so. I've seen it with my own measuring instrument, so, no, so I know it's happening. Uh, anyway, he goes on, and I'll, I'll get into this email a little bit later. Again, at 11.30, Dr. Joseph Apps, or Dr. John Apsley will join us, a physician researcher, to tell us what the government is not telling us about Fukushima and what he says are the... Uh, the horrible long-term, short-term health risks uh, of Fukushima. All right, right now, though, uh, we return to the big story. Osama bin Laden, uh, dead, supposedly, for a week now, uh, although I think there is pretty good evidence that he's been dead probably around... 10 years. December 13th, 2001 is uh, one date that comes to mind. Uh, but let's get the lowdown and the most up-to-date information from our dear friend, the editor-publisher of the World Affairs Brief, Joel Skousen. Joel, hello. Welcome back to the program. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be with you again. It's great to have you back on. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that uh, jumped out at me uh, the most about uh, this story, uh, whether or not you believe that he was uh, killed by these naval seals last Sunday or whether he died in 2001, it's the way that, uh, I mean, I think you can mark this down in the calendar. This is the day that the fourth estate was officially dead. Nobody asked the most obvious questions that even a 10-year-old would know. They simply read from a script and took the government at its word. Horrible, a horrible day for uh, mainstream uh, news uh, in, in, in North America, around the world, for that matter. Joel, your thoughts? Well, and the same thing happened with the birth certificate issue. As I pointed out in the World Affairs Brief two weeks ago, the forgery was so obvious with the nine layers that were still there. Someone had made a very big mistake in the forgery of not flattening the layers in Photoshop before they published this forgery. But it was so obvious that, in fact, it was just unconscionable for the media not even to mention the controversy, which they didn't. And there was only one lame attempt to explain it away, which was just so fraudulent. Someone tried to explain it as an expert saying that OCR, or optical character recognition software, often makes these kinds of mistakes. Well, <laughs> Digital scanner, color scanner technology is not optical character recognition, uh, which looks for letters. Digital scanners don't care. All they're looking for pixels, uh, different color pictures. They don't care if they're letters or lines or flowers or, or people's faces. Well, it's, just, uh, it, it's interesting. I was, I was all set to talk about that. The Internet to try to debunk this. 
Right. And I was all set to talk about that last Sunday night. Uh, I had a guest and we were discussing the, the, the whole birther issue when the uh, uh, Osama bin Laden story broke and, and, and um, you know, you sort of connect the dots and some people are saying, I think with some, uh, I think with some uh, credence, that this was maybe one of the reasons that they dusted off his corpse, if I could be so graphic, uh, to distract the public. But do you believe that um, Osama bin Laden uh, died, as many do, in December th- of 2001? Absolutely. Uh, the serious nature of his kidney disease indicated that at the maximum, even with the top medical care, he couldn't have lasted more than five years. And, of course, uh, supposedly roving around the hills and caves of uh, Tora Tora and or Bora Bora and other places, I mean, there's no way that he could have survived uh, there were no less than, you know, eight, uh, not eight, uh, eight opinions that he was dead from people high up in government, but uh, there's only two or three, mostly from Pakistani presidents uh, uh, and former prime ministers who would know, uh, because the ISI was so involved in, in being the front man for uh, funneling money to al-Qaeda and, uh, and Osama bin Laden, that they would certainly know. Uh, I'm, I'm c- Sorry, go ahead, Joel. Well, I'm convinced that, in fact, he did die many years ago, that his image has been carefully massaged in order to keep up the phony war on terror. We know for a fact, for example, that the CIA has produced numerous tapes and videos of various different people, lookalikes of Osama bin Laden. Uh, Arab-speaking people say, look, this guy's got a different accent than Osama bin Laden. There's other forms and vocabulary and other things. This is not the man. Um, so uh, I think, I don't believe that they kept the body on ice and they resurrected this. I think the SEAL team was told to go in there. I think this was a U.S. Uh, controlled safe house. Uh, Osama bin Laden would never have picked such an obvious place. I mean, first of all, let me go back and say, Osama bin Laden is a controlled entity by the CIA. They were never hunting for him. This was not the enemy to the CIA. This was their man, if he was alive. They certainly didn't need any intelligence from him because he was their man. What they did, actually, after his death, is take, I believe, one of the lookalikes, and they set him up in one of these U.S.-controlled, through several arms-length transactions, one of their controlled terrorist groups rented this house or was using this as a safe room. There's no way in this small town that you have the tallest, biggest house, rings with barbed wire with a military base just down the street, that would avoid detection all of these years. No real-life terrorist would have put himself in that position and expected to be safe. They would be low-profile. Uh, you know, uh, Saddam Hussein, uh, if you can believe you know, the story of his demise, uh, had a cave dug for him where he was down inside a, uh, a hidey hole. But in any case, uh, this is just not believable that Osama bin Laden, if he was running from them, would be hiding out of this place. The film shows that there was no dialysis machine there, uh, so this could not have been the real Osama bin Laden. All of the things about the story, virtually 100%, comes from government spokesmen. We have no first-hand evidence from anyone, anywhere, not even the SEAL team, but I'm convinced that they shot somebody. I'm convinced that they went in and, and killed somebody and dropped them off and made them disappear. But I, I'm convinced as well that it was not Osama bin Laden. Joel Skousen, editor, publisher of the World Affairs Brief, will tell you how to subscribe to that in just a moment. On the other side, Joel will continue to discuss the evidence 
The intelligence reports that Osama bin Laden in fact died in and around December 13th, 2001, coincidentally the date that the U.S. released the supposedly smoking gun video of Osama bin Laden declaring that he was the uh, the architect uh, of the 9-11 terrorist attack and uh, we'll tell you why some of the foremost Osama bin Laden experts in the world, recognized around the world as such, say that was clearly a hoax. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. My name is Richard Serrett. Passcodes, personal identification numbers, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To get to the truth, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. There's a book by uh, Carl Bernstein. It was called The CIA and the Media. Uh, in which he reveals that uh, the mainstream news media in the United States has been infiltrated uh, by the CIA uh, in, in virtually every major uh, publication, and some of the minor ones, uh, for example, Ms. Magazine, is now widely suspected of being a CIA uh, uh, front. Uh, of course, the um, uh, publisher, Gloria Steinem, uh, editor, rather, Gloria Steinem, uh, has also been accused of being a CIA Operative. However, uh, the point here is, after seeing the way that the news media essentially regurgitated the pablum that they were spoon-fed by the government over this Bin Laden uh, escapade, I'm, I have to believe that uh, Carl Bernstein was, was right and probably underestimated. Uh, I got the impression that everybody delivering the news... These days, in the in, in the United States, and maybe up here in Canada, to a certain uh, a part, are are basically CIA. How else to explain why they would simply not ask any basic questions, not follow any, not a one of the of the the, the tenets of, of of journalism? Double check sources, ask questions, and simply regurgitate what they were what they were had, uh, handed by the government. Uh, Joel Skousen is here uh, talking about. Uh, Osama bin Laden and whether he died uh, last Sunday or or ten years ago, as some suspect. That uh, video that came out December thirteenth, that they supposedly uncovered in some lair, coincidentally, and there was Osama bin Laden, although uh, writing with his right hand, gold ring rings on his fingers, which would be strictly uh, forbade by uh, Wahhabism. Clearly a hoax, Uh, uh, Joel. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. There's been considerable analysis of that one and subsequent ones. Even the the latest releases are very, very strange in that they show a very middle-aged, healthy um, Osama bin Laden. And uh, he's much healthier than the videos even of the previous time. They must have more than one look-alike because there's no bags around his eyes, no stress in the face from kidney disease, no coloring problem. I mean, this is just unbelievable that this is 
uh, Osama bin Laden uh, 10 years after, uh, you know, he was in a critical condition at an American hospital in Dubai, and we have documented evidence of that, CIA station chief visiting him there in the hospital. You just don't survive that long and come out looking better 10 years later. Uh, Dr. Stephen Pizinik, who served under a number of uh, U.S. secretaries of state and had uh, positions of influence under several presidents. I believe he was recruited by Lawrence Eagleburger and was uh, uh, Assistant Secretary of State for Management, uh, worked with bin Laden uh, when uh, they were fighting the proxy war against the Soviet Union in the 80s, happened to have access to the CIA roster and uh, there uh, uh, saw that uh, bin Laden was in fact dying of something called Morphan Syndrome, and as you say, uh, was probably in a terminal condition in July 2001 in Dubai. Um, so why, why is it that, that the media just, they just lie down and they just roll over on this? Well, the reason is several. First of all, they, are, they aren't all agents of the CIA. What happens, though, is that the CIA does certain things, and, um, but any of the top investigative reporters are all on a special payroll of uh, what I call the dark side of government. It isn't necessarily the CIA, uh, uh, but they are paid uh, some fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year just to be on the, the payroll. And You see, anyone who, who walks into the government and starts to get all these insider quotes, you have to be uh, you know, vetted for that. You have to be on the team. Uh, no regular reporter gets that kind of access. And they feed them a regular steady diet of, of this disinformation because they have chosen to be reliable shills for the government. There's a whole tremendous amount of reporters as well that are not but have gotten the very unmistakable sign from their editors that we will take and project the government position. And they value their jobs and they don't go against it. There's also you know, the informal snickering and denigration that goes from the higher-ups when you talk about the birther movement and about those. I mean, these people all know. They all read the Internet. They know exactly what we're saying and what we're thinking. And they sit around and guffaw and, uh, and denigrate those things so that no reporter dares take that position lest they be laughed at. And so there's all different types of control depending on how much they are involved. Uh, certainly the higher-ups in all the major newspapers are knowing that there is a control system. They do discuss how they're going to manipulate and work the, the news. The, the major polling agencies and services in the United States are also very, very uh, controlled, and they have ways of manipulating the computer data so that even the polling people talking on the telephone people don't realize that the phone numbers being presented to them as random or not random. A lot of manipulation, especially relative to the Donald Trump uh, entrance into the political scene. I believe that he was specifically timed and primed to put out the birther issue, not because he is anti-Democrat or anti-Obama. Uh, you this guy has only been a contributor to Democratic and liberal Republican causes. He's got no principles relative to conservatism in the United States, they put him out there to push the birther movement, timed specifically so that this forgery could be put forth for the American people and debunk the birther movement and then say it's over. Right, That's what right. happened. Yes, I had that, that same sudden, feeling. Uh, you know, Trump is a hero to himself, patting himself on the back and saying... Uh, now we have our answer. Yes, now we have our answer. Finally, he's revealed the birth certificate and we can now say we, we can put this to bed. 
Yeah, it's very clever. And all of a sudden, he's a hero or making himself one, and the media is pumping up the polls. I can't believe that 30 and 40 percent of Republicans think that Trump would be a good president. He's just a laughing stock among anyone who thinks. We're in real trouble in this country if people think that Donald Trump is a credible candidate for president. Joel Skousen, editor and publisher of the World Affairs Brief. Uh, Joel, how do people subscribe to the World Affairs Brief? They go to my website, worldaffairsbrief.com. There's a big subscribe button with the, along, right underneath the uh, synopsis of the current brief. But before they subscribe, people would like to get a free sample issue. They can do so by emailing me, emailing me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com. All right, another quick timeout. We'll come back and continue to uh, hammer away at the Osama bin Laden dead again story. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the New World Order, this is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now, 416-360-0740, or toll-free in Ontario, at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Joel Skousen, editor, publisher, World Affairs Brief, stays with us until the bottom of the hour. Then we'll switch gears and talk about what the government isn't telling you about Fukushima. Dr. John Apsley will be here. If you have a Geiger counter, uh, by chance, and you'd be surprised to know how many people I'm finding out, how many people actually do, I'd be interested to know if you've noted here in uh, Toronto or uh, wherever you are in the, the listening area, from Thunder Bay down to the Carolinas, Maine to Minnesota, uh, if you've happened uh, to notice anything uh, sort of above and beyond the, uh, the normal cosmic background radiation uh, since the Fukushima uh, nuclear disaster in Japan. We'll be discussing that with Dr. John Apsley. In the last half hour of the program, this is the game plan right now anyway, things could change, but uh, around 12.30 Eastern, We'll throw the lines open and we'll do some uh, so open lines. We don't have an opportunity to do that too often. Uh, Joel, we, we have to talk about uh, uh, motive here, the, the timing. Uh, was it the birther issue? Was it the, the fact that the, uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, had, had bombed Gaddafi's uh, son's house, killing grandchildren, uh, you know, obviously breaking some international law there? Uh, what, what was the reason? Is it to ramp up, to, to make a case for war against Pakistan? Well, I think the real reason is there's there's a concerted decision made by the powers that be that they're going to give Obama another four years. And so, first of all, they had to put a stop to the growing, and I'll emphasize growing, birther movement. It just was not being quelled by anything that had been done before, and they had to do it in a big way. And as I say, I think they used Donald Trump to push the issue. And you notice that whenever those of us for months and years had pushed this issue, the media never gave us the time of day. When Donald Trump did it, suddenly it was was mainstream news. That's the only reason I can think of is that they intended to debunk it. So they wanted to rebuild the issue, give everyone a chance to vent their thing, and then let it come crashing down. 
there's and then the Obama thing was to make a hero out of him. I mean, first of all, this is a guy who, uh, you know, is very difficult to get anyone who is, uh, uh, you know, pro-U.S. to think of Obama as, as someone who's a, you know, a decent commander in chief, and they wanted to actually give him the the hero's mantle, and and his popularity will have some eleven points. But overall, you've got to remember that the one, two, three thing, the Obama movement, Trump entering the race, and Obama are all tied together. I'm convinced that because Trump said that he's, if he doesn't make a Republican nomination, he's going to run as an independent, that he's in fact trying to play a Ross Perot. Ross Perot was trotted out by the powers that be, played like he was conservative, to try and you know, played like he was anti-government, nothing could be further than the truth. Um, it was so obvious that he was a government shill because when he, he quit the race, he got back in, and they let him back in the debates. Can you imagine if Ron Paul had quit, you know, and then said, I'm back in and I want him in the debates, they would have used that as an excuse to say, no, you can't come back in. But they let Ross Perot in, and now we found out after the campaign that he his campaign staff was in almost daily contact with the Democratic National Committee. So they were part of the same element to try to pull off independent and Republican votes, which they did. I think Donald Trump is being prepared to do the same thing. So these are three, one, two, three steps that have given Obama a major leg up, and I'm convinced that this is meant to, uh, basically to re-elect him in the next uh, election cycle, 2012. All right, I've got someone on the line here. It just says Canada. Uh, Griffin, the name of the individual uh, from calling in from Canada? Oh, that is Nel- it's our friend Nelson Thal. Nelson, welcome. Welcome, Richard. How are you doing tonight? I'm well, thank you. Listen, I have a question for um, for your guest. Very interesting topic, isn't it? Um, now that they've supposedly gotten rid of this Goldstein, um, I, I would imagine that they've got another one ready in the wings and all prepared. And I would imagine that that real Goldstein has his doubles and his clones out there already. And that whole operation is all out there, the clones of the next Goldstein, the doubles, so that when they finally want to get rid of the whole thing, they give the uh, they give clone number one kidney disease, they give uh, the double another disease, he winds up in a Pakistani prison and escapes, and they go after and kill the clone quickly, say that it's the real guy, and you get this, did you get my drift? Who's the next Goldstein? Joel? Are you following that? No, I'm not. What uh, do you mean by Goldstein? Who's referring to yeah, but, yeah, Nelson, spell it out. Just uh, uh, You're talking about, obviously, Osama bin Laden. This was a clone that was killed. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm really using and quoting from George Orwell's 1984, a famous novel. Ah, okay. Taught in, in right. universities and high schools, where the term Big Brother comes from, and the enemy always was a Goldstein in 1984. The one there was a perpetual enemy. There had to be to keep the perpetual wars going, and that was the Goldstein. And of course, Obama was our Goldstein from 1984. Those who were students of 1984. Osama. Osama was our, okay. Osama was right. Osama's the Goldstein. Now right. that they've gotten rid of that one, they've got to always have a Goldstein. So before they get rid of this one, they've already got the doubles, the clones, and the other ones already in place. Well, so, in other words, they're going to have to create a new enemy. And, uh, well, they've already created a new enemy. We don't know who it is right now. Right, right. 
And we can bet that when they show that enemy and they show him on TV, they'll show the clone, not the real enemy. They'll show the double, his double. Remember the James Bond from Russia with Love was about how the Oswald that went was two inches shorter than the Oswald that returned. Interesting. So, yeah, we, we don't know how many Osama bin Ladens were. Who's going to be the next Goldstein? And let's understand what's what it creates and what, what, what work they've gone to to create it already, and yet it's still invisible. But when they want to surface it, they'll give it to the media, and it'll be sold to the people. All right, Nelson, thank okay. you for that. Thank you. Uh, Joel, any, uh, any thoughts on who might be the next yeah, Osama? They may, be, they may be ready to give up that. You know, there have been so many correct conspiracy evidence talking about clones, and uh, they may be ready to give it up, and they certainly can, because if they use al-Qaeda... Al-Qaeda is the ubiquitous, nameless, there's no photo necessary, there's no leader now, all they can do is continue to just drop hints of so-and-so might be the leader, we don't know. But I think they can use Al-Qaeda and continue to milk that without actually having to build up any, any leader. Um, as I say, I think having the figurehead like Osama bin Laden has lost its usefulness. I think they used up that card in order to promote Obama, and they may not do it again. Is there an Al-Qaeda? No. And yes. Meaning that no, as an independent terror organization, Al-Qaeda itself is a U.S. CIA, Pakistani ISI creation. Uh, CIA uh, tasked Saudi Arabia to fund it through the Pakistani ISI, and that's why you have all these conflicting reports on NPR all the time about Pakistani ISI fighting terrorism and, and uh, supporting terrorism. Uh, it's the same thing as the CIA fighting drugs and the U.S. government fighting drugs and then supporting drugs their own drug uh, cartel. So there's a lot that, uh, uh, you know, needs to be viewed in terms of this double standard, but I don't believe that al-Qaeda exists at the leadership top as a terrorist organization. I think it's a front for British and U.S. intelligence, and but that doesn't mean that they don't hire actual terrorists to carry out real terrorist attacks, but those terrorists, the real ones, at the lowest level don't understand they're getting their marching orders from the CIA or British intelligence. If we had, let me just say this, if we had real terrorism of the independent variety, we'd have people coming across the U.S.-Mexican border every single week, and we'd have terrorist events and bombings in malls and blowing up uh, pylons and other things. And because Homeland Security is now talking about putting guards in malls, we may, we may well see some uh, false flag terrorism coming across the border just to fulfill that prophecy. It, it, the final point to... For years now, and we haven't had any of that, only this right. high-profile type of terrorism, which is always provoked, and the trail always leads back to U.S. or British intelligence. Joe, a final point here, and it is interesting I, that, that immediately the U.S. Uh, began to make the case that uh, uh, Pakistan was complicit, they were sheltering uh, uh, bin Laden, and as you say, uh, I mean, this has always been my understanding, that the ISI, the Pakistani uh, Intelligence uh, Service, was a creation of the CIA, so uh, that, that's such a ridiculous claim to be making. Well, it's a claim they can keep making because obviously they can find evidence that parts of Pakistan are fighting terrorism and parts are supporting because that's exactly the reality. And the trouble is the U.S. people don't know that at arm's length uh, connection between the Israeli Mossad, the CIA, and British MI6 that's running the whole show. I mean, that's why in the Iraq war, uh, the Iraqi uh, soldiers caught, you know, two British agents in, in Mufti and... Uh, in Arab garb, and they had explosives on them. They were going to run a terrorist attack and then blame it on the Arabs. 
Joel, how again do people subscribe to World Affairs Brief? Uh, go to my website, worldaffairsbrief.com, and get a free sample issue by emailing me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com. All right, Joel, always a pleasure. Thank you, and uh, we'll speak again sh- uh, soon, I hope. Thank you, Richard. Joel Skousen. All right, uh, for those uh, who didn't make it into this conversation, my apologies. Uh, we're going to uh, check in with Dr. John Apsley and find out what the government isn't telling us about Fukushima when the conspiracy, conspiracy show returns back in a moment. Don't go away. Loose lips sink ships, and sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. What are the short-term and long-term health risks from the radioactive fallout emanating from the nuclear power plant in Fukushima? What is the sequence of these threats uh, over the next five years? And what is this ongoing misinformation campaign that we're getting from the government and nuclear industrialists? And finally, what can we do for our families... What can we do that is easy and effective uh, to uh, overcome these risks? Dr. John Apsley is a physician and researcher who for the past 30 years has specialized in the rehabilitation and reversal of chronic degenerative illnesses through accelerated uh, tissue repair and cellular regeneration. Welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. Dr. John Apsley, how are you? I am terrific, thank you. This is going to be uh, a real... A real uh great evening to get this information out to your to your audience. Well, it's 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 funny we were set to do this program last week uh, when the uh, Bin Laden story broke and um, it, it's funny how, you know, for a lot of people this this story has gone away because it's no longer on the the front page, but uh, you know, I'm getting these disturbing emails. I forwarded one to you and I and I read one off the top of the show, but I just want to once again reiterate uh, that I received one from Joseph here in Toronto who owns a Geiger counter. And uh, I've received a number of uh, emails from people around uh, the country and in, in the United States. You'd be surprised how many people actually own Geiger counters, but they're, they're, uh, they're saying that this is not simply cosmic background radiation. Uh, they are, they're, they're, um, they're saying that it's, it's, uh, it's a sustained reading they're getting, and it's, they're holding the, the Geiger down to their lawn or their shrubs. Obviously, the water is being collected and filtered by these plants, and... Uh, they're getting uh, uh, readings of around 50 to 70 CPM. That's counts per minute. Now, that's not, that's not really high, but I guess if you consider even, you know, uh, that it's, it's sustained exposure, I mean, is any level safe? That's, yeah, this is exactly the point. There's so much uh, to kind of cover in this area, so let me try to start from the beginning and then we can you know go through it in a logical manner uh, normal background radiation on a guider counter is uh, usually about 25 hits so this is now you're talking between 50 and 75 so 
maybe as high as two to three to even four times as high than normal. But you're correct. There is no safe level of radiation exposure. Now, this is something that all the pundits and officials know, yet they keep on saying, oh, don't worry, uh, the amount of radiation that just hit the west coast of Canada and the United States is equal to a dental x-ray. That's absolutely ludicrous. An x-ray is nothing but gamma radiation coming out for a millisecond. So if you have particles that you're exposed to because you've inhaled them or you've eaten them, they stay in your body for, for weeks, months, years, giving off radiation 24-7. Now, it may be at that low level of a dental x-ray, but it's a nonstop dental x-ray. Um, the first thing that happens when we're exposed to radiation uh, that everyone thinks about is genetic damage down the road, but that's not the most lethal or damaging aspects of radiation. It's the melting or getting a really intense sunburn to the fat wrappers of our cells that hold the cells in their own uh, protective environment. Well, those fatty wrappers uh, are, are melted like a hot knife going through butter uh, in very, very short time periods, say over a 24-hour time period. So once you've ingested some radioactive iodine that's come in at extremely low doses, and I say that for emphasis, at extremely low doses, say, within a normal background radiation, but it's now in your thyroid gland, then you just have 24-7 melting of the fat protection within your thyroid gland, and this is what leads to such high levels of thyroid cancer. But it's not just uh, limited to the thyroid gland. Um, cesium gets in, strontium gets in. Uh, those were all made at the same time that the iodine is off the uranium that's going in, into uh, its fission, uh, uh, non, uh, non-controlled fission. And um, this gets uh, an immediate dose into the bones, into the uh, muscle tissues, into the brain. And so we're seeing a lot of correlations over the last 50 years of normal legal releases from nuclear power plants that are never safe, causing, for example, uh, here in the U.S., 18% of American women live within 100 miles of a nuclear power plant that's operating normally. And yet, those 18% of American women account for 55% of the breast cancer cases. So what the heck's going on here? Well, there is no safe level of radiation poisoning. So let me reiterate. We have the concept that radiation exposure is a linear event. It means that the more you get, the more lethal it is. But that's not true. It turns out that under normal situations, that the extremely low levels of radiation over a long time period, days and weeks and months, is actually more lethal than the intense upfront one-time dose of radiation that can happen. So, um, and, the, and this is the reason why, because it melts these fatty uh, protection uh, barriers that our body must have. Well, if you take a look at the breast cancer rates, and then you begin to extrapolate some of the other conditions that uh, we've been going through for the past 50 years, this data becomes very compelling. Like if you go county by county in North America, um, you can look at where, according to the wind, that these normal releases of radiation were coming out of the nuclear power plants. Uh, 
and county by county and then year by year, you can then associate it with different illnesses, different kinds of cancer like breast cancer that came out, also diabetes, also Alzheimer's disease. So in essence, Richard, what we have here is we have a maybe the most important stimulus for causing chronic degenerative diseases that lays on top of all of the other environmental factors that uh, in, involve pollution and pesticides and herbicide sprays and, and other kinds of elements that are also known to cause cancer. So they're, they're compounding each other. But people need to understand there's two different lethal effects of radiation. There's the massive blast that the people right at that nuclear power plant at Daiichi and Fukushima are experiencing, bless their hearts, because uh, they're basically, I, I would assume that all 300 of those samurai warriors there basically are, are going to die within the next five years. But then you have the low-level releases that kill the most people. And a, a, a last quick example, and then we can take it from, from here. At Chernobyl, they were really quick to count the deaths from the event. And we're going to talk a lot tonight about Chernobyl compared to Fukushima, so this is really important that everyone hears this. Well, they counted the deaths really quickly over a short time period, and they said oh, it was only 31 people died. Well, there were uh, five top Russian epidemiologists that just released a book from the New York Academy of Sciences. They, they published it uh, in 2007. They did a 25-year count of the deaths that were recorded due strictly or mostly to the, the one-time Chernobyl event in April of 1986. They counted just a little under a million people died as a result, not 31. And it's because of these two combinations of the intense release, which is where the 31 people died, versus the long-term deaths uh, rates that accumulate due to the low, low doses, they eventually will catch you. Uh, now, go, let me go back to the Geiger counter here for a moment, because, um, you know, most of us are not that familiar with, you know, the various types of radiation. And when we're talking about cosmic, background cosmic radiation, uh, or if we're talking about ionizing radiation, does a, does a Geiger counter differentiate between ionizing and non-ionizing radiation? Uh, well, in this case, you're, you're talking about ionizing radiation uh, in this context because you're looking at a decaying product and how, and how many of them are decaying at any one given second. And that gives a little ping on the, on the, on the Geiger counter. Um, I like to talk about it in more simple terms because when you start doing the math in those, in those uh, fashions... Well, let me give an example of how the physicists talk about that kind of information. Uh, there's a group in Australia that took measurements of basically really highly sensitive Geiger counters from the Pacific Rim. They went to the west coast of the U.S., they went to Alaska, they gathered the data from the west coast of Russia, then down the west coast of China, then down to where they were in Australia, and they added up all these little hits that the Geiger counters gave and also track the wind currents that came out of Fukushima. And uh, according to that data, they were able to analyze how much radioactive material went airborne and how much of it was decaying, uh, causing a radiation burst, uh, uh, usually a gamma ray or some, some dam damaging ionizing form of, of radiation. There's only three kinds, uh, alpha 
beta, and gamma. Um, they're just rays that come off of these particles and cause damage. Well, they noted that according to their calculations, very accurately, that every 10 days, once Fukushima went through its crisis, that the amount of biological damage that was being done to the environment equaled one Chernobyl. My Lord. So every 10 days, we have a Chernobyl event occurring. And this won't stop for a really long time period. So this, this is something that people, that government officials don't want to talk about. Now, we're going to talk about solutions tonight, so I don't want anyone to freak out. Well, yeah, the last thing I want to do is, is uh, uh, to be spreading absolute panic. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there are solutions to this, but we need to tell the truth here. That's what we're doing. Well, if, if I'm getting uh, people emailing me saying that uh, they're taking out their Geiger counter, and, and we should point out these are not trained uh, a specialist, but these are just normal, everyday, you know, citizens who have purchased a Geiger counter, and they're getting 50 to 70 CPMs, sustained readings. Right. Uh, now, I mean, is 50 to 70 CPMs, is that, uh, is that as I suspect, a very low level, or where, where is that in the scale? Well, okay, it, the scale, it, it, it's too high, it's too darn high, it's three to four, it's two to three times higher than the normal background radiation, but normal background radiation causes cancer all the time. It might take 20 years for it to happen or 30 years. Um, so there is no safe level of radiation, none. The human body is not designed to, uh, to deal with it uh, after our antioxidants are burned up. So if you're already not eating enough antioxidants or if you're already a smoker or not eating proper foods, your antioxidant protection is low, and you might be able to keep up with the normal background amount of radiation. You might be able to, but it doesn't seem to be the case in most cases. Most people are going to have an effect. But now when you double that or triple it, those defenses that we have get burned up that much faster, and we're not replenishing them. And so uh, later on tonight, we're going to talk about my, my area of expertise in regeneration. There's good news about all this whole thing, but it, co it relates to the aspect of what our reserves are of antioxidants in our body. And if we keep them up, then we can keep up against this kind of meltdown of our, of our fatty wrappers and eventually our, our genes as well. What, what is the latest uh, on the, uh, the containment uh, efforts in, uh, in Japan uh, concerning the nuclear plant there? Well, the truth of it is that because of the kind of damage that they've had and the fact that they're on the coast where the ocean is and that the damage now is going deep into the ground, deep into the ground which will enter into the groundwater systems, and they have constant steam releases, and they try to wash that down by spraying water into the, into the steam as it comes out to wash it down locally there onto the soil, um, that we're, we're seeing basically 75% of the fuel rods of the, of the uranium that were damaged are going to enter into the, into the environment. Now, I can use one example to give everyone an idea about how all this uh, translates. There are different kinds of radioactive daughters that are born out of the uranium uh, overheating and then falling apart and uh, forming these other products. 
One of them is called cesium. We've been talking a lot, everyone has been talking a lot about iodine, which is given birth at the same time. But cesium is one that hangs around for a half-life of 30 years. And then from there, it contaminates the biology, all life, for up to 300 years. So the half-life is 30, but it will continue to do its damage uh, up to 300 years. So with the cesium that was completely made airborne at Chernobyl, it was approximately 22 kilograms, which is about 50 pounds. And that happened over a very short time period. And that was one of the main contributing factors for these million people dying uh, over the next 25 years throughout Europe. Well, at just unit number four, now there's unit one through six that contain these fuel rods, but in just unit number four, there was 1,500 kilograms of cesium that was basically 100% exposed to melting down and going as an aerosol. So, so that's between 50 and 70 times the amount of cesium that could have gone into uh, the, the environment compared to one Chernobyl event. Well, now we have to look at this issue of, you're talking about the counts and the Geiger counter and everyone's starting to pick them up, and they're all picking it up from the, in part from the cesium. Well, it's known from the epidemiological studies uh, that related to Three Mile Island when they won a major lawsuit there in the mid-'90s. There was a, uh, uh, an epidemiologist from North Carolina named uh, Steve Wing who uh, finally, with another expert named Arnie Gunderson, uh, who's a nuclear engineer, they were able to convince a jury that real serious damage happened at Three Mile Island because there was a massive cover-up that, oh, no, nobody really got hurt. Well, that wasn't true at all. Well, they won that lawsuit. And this has happened throughout North America repeatedly, that people get injured, and then they have these court uh, suits, and then the people win, and finally the information comes out, and it's either squashed and kept just to the people that got the award for the damages, or people just don't care, and they don't read the fact that, that uh, the real truth has come out. This is the habit. It's, it's been going on for about 40 years now. It's just the way it is. Anybody can look this up now on the web. It's, it's available. Dr. John okay. Apsley, stay with us. We'll uh, take a time out. We'll open up the phone lines to questions and comments. Do you suspect you're being lied to about the real threat posed by the Fukushima nuclear uh, fallout? from the power plant over there in Japan. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll-free from Maine to Minnesota, Thunder Bay to the Carolinas, 866-740-4740. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Of course, it is Monday, May the 9th in uh, Japan. Uh, and earlier Monday morning, Japanese workers measured radiation inside one reactor building of the crippled Fukushima number 1 nuclear plant, paving way for full-scale work to stabilize the country's worst-ever nuclear emergency. And uh, the move came after the plant operator, Tokyo Electric Power Company, TEPCO, opened the doors linking the number one reactor building to its adjacent turbine building Sunday evening and confirmed that the resultant release of radioactive materials into the air had not raised radiation levels on the premises, according to the firm. Kyoto News quoted TEPCO as saying nine workers went into the reactor building around 4.20 a.m. and measured radiation and other conditions inside for about 30 minutes. If the radiation level is confirmed to be safe for workers to operate inside, they will start building a new cooling system for the reactor, the most severely damaged of the six at the plant, which lost cooling functions in the March 11th quake and ensuing tsunami. Restoration work at the reactor has been hampered by a hydrogen explosion on March 12th and high radiation levels since. In the envisaged next step, workers will install and adjust equipment, including a heat exchanger, an instrument to measure the water levels in the, radio, in, in the reactor's pressure vessel containing nuclear fuel and the containment vessel shrouding it, Kyoto said. Uh, so the, let's talk a little bit about the, 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 the misinformation or disinformation campaign, uh, as you call it, Dr. Apsley. Uh, Who's leading the charge in this misinformation ca- campaign? Is it the government? Uh, is it the nuclear industry? Yes, unfortunately. Uh, and, and there's no real reason for it because we, we do have solutions that will work uh, to ha- help protect the folks. But for some reason, there's been a policy, and it goes back, unfortunately, to Dwight D. Eisenhower. When we were in the Cold War, um, all of the countries that were developing nuclear weapons and also nuclear power just made it a political policy not to tell the American public or the, their local publics their, uh, of the different countries what the real truth was. And we actually, in this country, we had experiments that took place uh, through the uh, uh, Nuclear Regulatory uh, Commission as well as the Atomic Energy Commission that's now part of the Department of Energy, where they're actually conducting experiments on unsuspecting American citizens. Now, that stopped in 1974, but it, had, it occurred for many, many years, and there was an executive order that protected this information from not getting out uh, that was signed by Dwight D. Eisenhower, according to my information. But the point is, is that in 1997, under President Clinton, uh, that, all of that information, President Clinton forced to be released. And that's available online now. It's not just me saying that. It was one of the worst... Uh, times, I think, in American history related to nuclear power development. Um, and that trend continues on today, uh, well since 1974, where, for example, these radiation releases are allowed regularly out of nuclear power plants without informing anybody, and it's leading up to all of these different diseases that we're seeing right now. An example is, is that we were, uh, in, in the U.S., our chronic degenerative diseases we're getting less and less and less right up until the first above-ground nuclear testing occurred. And then when that stopped in 1962, 
it leveled off the development of chronic degenerative diseases until the first nuclear power plants came online about 1970. Now, in Canada, uh, there was a, an expert uh, MD ph- uh, physicist named uh, Petkow, and he was working in Manitoba at one of the Canadian senior facilities there uh, for nuclear uh, research and development. He's the one that discovered that these really tiny levels of radiation exposure over a long time period were actually billions of times more lethal to human beings than a one-time really intense dose that everyone's hyper about. We shouldn't be hyper about these really extremely rare events where something big happens next to us, like a Fukushima. It's very rare. We have Three Mile Island, we have Chernobyl, and we have maybe about a dozen others that have taken place in the past 50 years. But it's the low levels that do us the most in. And, and he, he published this widely in 1972, and nobody paid him any attention. His, his experimentation was flawless. Well, uh, there are some groups that were working at the official level in, uh, in the U.S. governments, for example, also over in Russia, and they became whistleblowers. Now, these were esteemed medical physicians as well as physicists, and they formed their own nonprofit groups to put this information out. One of the groups here in the U.S. is called Radiation.org, and they've been fighting this whole thing now for, for 30 years, trying to get the correct information out to the American public. Uh, but I just want to say this because it finishes up the last section before we had to go to break. The total amount of radiation that's released will cause a certain amount of cancer, even if it goes through the Pacific Ocean because it enters into the food chain and these things have a half-life that continues on with their lethal effects for hundreds of years, like cesium and strontium. And, and uh, there's another thing called iodine-129 we'll talk about well, in the food chain, when we go out and have some sushi or we have some Pacific salmon, uh, say, you know, five years from now or six years from now, they're at the top of their food chain, and they've been hoarding all of this radioactivity in their own body, and then human beings eat it. And so this is called a biomagnification factor. So if radiation was released all at one time over, let's say, the entire nation of Japan, we would expect, okay, there's going to be 10 million cases of cancer. But that's not what happened. We're going to have uh, an initial massive release and then maybe three, four years' worth of release slowly contaminating the Pacific Ocean. It will still cause the same number of cancers regardless. It'll just take more time. Is that to suggest then, Dr. Apsley, that we haven't actually even uh, yet witnessed the, the full impact of Chernobyl in terms of fatalities. That is exactly correct, because that these radioactive particles have such long half-lives. Um, one of the things that is the most frightening to the experts I speak to, I speak to probably the top guy in, uh, here in the U.S., um, as well as uh, there's a, a counterpart to him named Chris Busby over in England, um, and these guys do the math like in their head all the time. It's pretty complicated, but uh, we, were, we were just looking at one aspect. And again, there are solutions to this. I'm, I want to say that again. Uh, but we're not being told. So here's, here's what the truth is. There is a product that's produced, uh, and you can see them on satellite. Uh, there's Nilo Atmos out of Norway that you can go to on the web, and you, they are tracking 
uh, several different gases or aerosols of these radioactive particles coming out of Fukushima, and they go back to the beginning. And so you, anybody can watch this little movie of the plumes coming up out of Fukushima and where it traverses around the northern hemisphere. It goes everywhere. And the Xenon-133 is the biggest one where it's, it's everywhere. It's just this huge amount of radioactive material that is going all over the northern hemisphere, and it continues right up into this present moment. Well, Xenon-133 is radioactive, and it will cause problems, but it only has, if memory serves, a five-day half-life, so people think, oh, well, it's gone in about you know, a couple months. But where does it go to? Well, unfortunately, a lot of it decays into iodine-129. That's radioactive, and that has a 15-million-year half-life. Oh, boy. So for 15 million years, we're going to have to put up with this uh, radioactive form of iodine that's going into the environment. This is crazy. On that happy note, let's go to the phones. And uh, Jack is in Michigan being very patient, waiting on a cell phone. Jack, welcome to the Conspiracy Show on AM740. Richard, you're going to have to expand your program to uh, five nights a week plus Sunday, okay? We'll work on that for you, Jack. Godforsaken swampland of Flint, Michigan, and the only other the only other source uh, beyond you is Stan Monteith, as I am fortunate enough to hear on a local station uh, for two hours uh, every night, Monday through Friday. But this uh, stellar revelation by Dr. Ash about radio uh, uh, radioactive uh, iodine one twenty nine uh, I've never heard before, and corrupt uh, 
politicians by organizing at the grassroots level and, and providing knowledge of these solutions because then and only then when we organize as a unified force and force the issue on these solutions as well as the, the, uh, the causation, are we ever going to have, you know, have a better world? Okay, Jack, thank you for that call. Dr. John, do you want to uh, respond before we move on to the next call? Sure. Let's talk about the solutions that he proposed at the beginning with uh, spirulina and also chlorella. He is quite correct. Part of the wonderful thing about algae, both uh, from the ocean as well as from freshwater, is it has up to 20 different special protectors, including some of these antioxidants that we spoke of at the very beginning, that are well-known and well-proven to quench radiation poisoning or ionizing radiation. Uh, but also, he also mentioned he's, he's been feeling a lot better just by taking it. It also helps regeneration of the body. Uh, there are certain factors in there. One of them is chlorophyll that looks a lot like blood, and it's really intensely uh, stimulating for healing to occur. So uh, those are two excellent things that I give uh, a high recommendation to in my, in my own book on, on how to solve the problem with Fukushima. Um, and there are... There are there are other solutions, too, but those are probably the top two on my list as well. Now, going to on to the aspect of cold fusion, I can't really speak to that too much, although I have followed it for years when they first discovered it at the uh, University of Utah. And it uh, went back and forth for many years until Los Alamos finally validated it about seven years after these poor two scientists were discredited. And then after that, it was discredited again, and I'm not sure what the, what the current update is. But... If there's someone who's trying to do this in, in Florida, they're going to run into all sorts of regulatory hurdles. Um, I mean, just trying to use a new form of catalytic converter here for automobiles that will get you maybe 300% better gas mileage, that technology is available, um, it's impossible because it's against the law here in the U.S. to remove your catalytic converter, even if you have something that's better. Um, and there's things like water injection that will get you another 25% mi uh, gas mileage, um, and that's 500 bucks to install. And uh, so we could save all sorts of uh, – there's all these different ways that, that it happens. I agree that we need to cut the snake's head off. We need to reduce the amount of taxes that we pay into the federal government so that it's forced to shrink. And things like the Department of Energy has to start uh, shrinking – as well as the Department of Education and, and so on and so forth, that have become bureaucratic quagmires for a lot of folks making a lot of regulation to make themselves feel like they're earning their, their income when what they're doing is just actually causing more bureaucratic mess. And it's decaying, and our whole society is decaying as a result. Um, the last thing I want to say here is that the reason why I'm doing these shows all over the country, and I'll be in Chicago on June 10th at the Health Freedom Expo, for example, hosting a panel of experts in this, uh, on this very subject, is that we're not going to get the solutions from the government. Here in the U.S., the people are the government, but we have acquiesced that our representatives somehow become the government, and they're not doing a darn good job of representing us. It's time for us to get educated, like with things like spirulina uh, and, and kelp and, and other forms of chlorella and, and other algaes that we can ingest to protect ourselves and if we have the solution for other forms of energy, just go ahead and, and do them in a way in which that we don't violate the laws. Because and, and, if we start 
bringing down the government to its knees in a proper way, in an orderly way, at the voting booth and by reducing our taxes so they can't uh, cater to the crony capitalists uh, that are, you know, hanging on to their power through putting their own people into the federal agencies that regulate, um, then uh, we, we can't solve this. But by taking back our own power that we've acquiesced to the government, saying we are the government, and then doing lawful uh, movements of developing these forms of, uh, of energy and getting the word out through the Internet, um, then we have the solution. We're not just saying, look, you guys, you've really screwed up. We want you to go away. We're saying we have the solution as well, and we, the government, being the people, will, will require now, will demand that you, assume, uh, that you take on and, and allow us to do these, um, these solutions. All right, let so me, we uh, need to be solution-based. Let me uh, go to uh, Joseph in Mississauga. Joseph was the uh, gentleman who sent the email last week. Uh, Joseph, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Well, thank you, Richard, and good evening to uh, to yourself and Dr. Apsley. And thank you for that email. And now you you're the gentleman that with the Geiger counter. Yes, indeed. Uh, I've had it for about a year. It's a pretty sensitive model for a handheld held model. It's called the um, uh, the Inspector Alert, uh, and it's got a two inch pancake tube on it, which is a little bit larger than a lot of the handheld devices. So it's it's pretty sensitive. And uh, I've you know to be honest with you, for the last year, I've pretty much just had fun with it. Um, taken it camping and measured rocks and see what I get off of that and measured my TV in my home, but nothing scientific. But once the Fukushima disaster happened, I started taking it outside daily and measuring. And probably for about a month following, I wasn't really getting anything significant, but uh, I guess it was about three, four weeks ago, I started to uh, get significant readings off of my lawn, off of my shrubs and plants. And those numbers have grown right up till this week, where I started to get readings probably about 85 to 90 uh, counts per minute on a regular basis uh, outside, especially after it rains. And uh, I'd say probably up to about two weeks ago, I was getting nothing out of the air. And when I mean out of the air, I mean just holding it up you know, above my head and just measuring what the sort of ambient uh, cosmic background radiation was. Uh, until two weeks ago when I started to get readings in the 50 to 70 range, just holding it out in the air. And I'd say probably, and this is what's disturbed me the most so far, is up till yesterday I've been measuring tap water and discovered nothing. And yesterday, for the first time, I saw an increase in our municipal water supply. Uh, and I was getting readings in the 50 to 70 counts per minute range right from our tap water. And I compared that against bottled water, which I was only getting the typical 20 to 25 from. So I'm quite worried about this. Um, and as I mentioned in the email, I think it's probably uh, for the sake of my kids that I'm most worried. I have two five-year-old twin daughters, and they're outside playing on the lawn constantly. And I'm, I, I guess my question, if anything, for Dr. Apsley would be, what would be the best uh, solution or best treatment or preventative treatment we can give to young kids I mean, currently we're taking magnificent iodine, and we give the kids really small dose because we're worried about giving them too much. But I'd just really like to know how to address uh, handling, uh, how to watch out for them. Great call, Joseph, and thank you for that email. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, this is, this is what everyone wants to know. It needs to be spelled out in detail because, uh, as an example, iodine by itself is only going to be somewhat protective against one of the radioactive elements 
there's going to be about a dozen that we need to defend ourselves against, particularly cesium and strontium. But now um, on the West Coast, we, have, we even have a problem with plutonium. Um, as time goes out, you're quite correct to be concerned about for your kids mostly because this bioaccumulation and then biomagnification as these radioactive particles enter into the food chain, we're at the top of the food chain. And the younger we are, as, as with our kids, the longer they're going to be living and eating and breathing and drinking water and drinking milk so that they're going to be accumulating vast, uh, much, much larger amounts of radiation in, our, in their systems compared to adults. So um, we do have to uh, spell this out very carefully. Now, with, um, with adding iodine in, it can be the best thing to do for, this, for one of the elements, but many, many people have reactions to it. So I have a, fortunately, I have a new ebook coming out here before the June uh, seminar, and it will cover exactly what to look for if you're having a problem with taking a little bit more iodine and how to mitigate that. It's a problem of, of dealing with uh, quenching some, infl- uh, some inflammation that's in your body. Um, then the other up to a dozen other elements that we have to be concerned about now for the next 300 years uh, we have to make part of our daily routine eating certain foods that are really good for us, that also protect us from this heightened uh, amount of radiation that we're getting. So um, you said something very, very, uh, very exact and precise. You said that when you first started taking the measurements, you weren't getting some, and then you started getting some all the time, and then you started getting large amounts, especially during rainfall. Well, that's because this radiation accumulates just from the spewing out that's occurring over in Fukushima. So more and more and more is piling on top of what's already been laying there in the grass. And uh, this radioactive material tends to hang into the upper 10 inches of soil. It likes just to stick there for really long time periods. Well, that eventually be picked up into the plants for the next growing cycle, which is now coming up. So, but right now, we can wash the fruits and vegetables. Uh, the best way to wash them is to stick them into a sink full of water with some baking soda in it. Baking soda will pull out some of the heavier radioactive elements, and just the rest of the water will, will shake off some of the other particles that are on the, the green leafy vegetables, for example. But we're seeing large doses of cesium starting to occur now in milk. Well, this is when the government does get involved. This is what they just did this past Friday. Um, I'm not sure how many of your listeners know this, but the EPA took drastic action this past Friday uh, to help the public know what the, what the health threat was by stopping all taking of measurements in our food supply. Wow. That's, that's, what, a... that's what the EPA decided to do. <laughs> <laughs> just, put, just like an ostrich, yes. stick our head in the sand. Oh, it's... <laughs> It, we're just going to declare it to be safe. Move the goalposts. Move the goalposts. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're just so little now coming out of Fukushima, we don't have to worry about it anymore. I mean, do they think we're all idiots? Do you think everyone uh, should go out and buy a Geiger counter? Well, you know, if you do, you can hook up to a national uh, system through your computer that's keeping track of it and really do some good, because doing local measurements is kind of an interesting amateur uh, experiment here, and, it's, and it can be useful. Uh, like, for example, you get out of the rain. Whenever it rains, we have to n- be indoors or be protected, because that's when most of the radiation will fall down on us. 
Um, and that will continue now for months and months and months. They're not going to be able to stop the steam releases that are coming out of Fukushima, regardless of what they're telling you, uh, for months and months and months from now. Um, so we need not to be in the rain. Um, and, but there are, there are groups that uh, you can download their software for free, and you can download your Geiger counter readings into. Um, and if enough of us do that all over North America, then this computer system will then uh, you know, interpret the data and we'll, we'll, we'll pick up where the EPA left off. All right, uh, Joseph and Mississauga, thank you for the call. I want to work Rob from Wisconsin in before we take a break. Rob, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. You're on the line with Dr. John Apsley. Yeah, I've been thinking of, uh, about it for a while. Is, is there any way they could make like a lead structure, like a blanket or something, and cover the whole thing up and at least stop the... I know you're talking about ground... Uh, uh, pollution and, you know, they're letting it out into the sea and all that, but but just the air pollute, you know, the stuff that goes up through the sky, through the stacks or the top or whatever. Uh, um, I've been thinking about that. I just wondered. Any thoughts, Dr. John Apsley? A, a, a lead, uh, some sort of a lead containment device. Right. Well, no, what they have, though, is, uh, is similar. They have uh, uh, borating systems. Boron uh, or borate will uh, quench the radioactivity, and then they have uh, filter systems. The reason why the workers, for example, what you just read earlier, Richard, the reason why they could reenter the, the building wasn't because that the source of, of radiation wasn't continuing. It was because they had a new filter installed that was sucking it all out, at a, at a fast enough pace that they could get some people in there for a short time period. Um, the radiation release will, will continue. It'll go into the ground, it'll come up as steam into the atmosphere, and it's being washed out to sea. So that'll continue for months and months and months. Uh, but they are using borate to, to quench it. They're using these filters to do it. But like I said, eventually this has to get out because it's not possible now to... I mean, once you've let the cat out of the, out of the, out of the bag, you, can't, you just can't pull it all back in. That's the problem. Um, with the way in which that uh, damaged fuel rods decay, uh, we're past the point where we can stop that from going into the biological system. Uh, there is about 25% of the fuel rods that may be salvageable, that might be able to be uh, uh, put into a safe haven, uh, so to speak, uh, before it too enters into the uh, the food chain and the environment, but I, you know, I can't speak to that. They're they're not coming out with the proper information for a good scientific analysis to be uh, to be told. Robin, Wisconsin, uh, thank you for the call, uh, Dr. John. Hold on, we'll get back after this and continue to uh, discuss what the government isn't telling you about the Fukushima nuclear meltdown. Back with more of the conspiracy show. Get on board. Four one six. Three six zero zero seven forty and toll free eight six six seven forty four seven forty. The truth is not out there; it's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM seven forty.
Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Well, the news is not good, uh, but Dr. John Apsley is uh, here with some possible solutions. We're talking about the Fukushima nuclear fallout that continues. Uh, Dr. John, how do um, iodine tablets actually work? They work by competing against uh, the radioactive iodine. Um, If you can fill your body up ahead of time with enough good iodine, then the body doesn't tend to want to bring in additional iodine from any source, including the radioactive. However, the radioactive iodines already come into all of our systems. So for anyone who didn't immediately start taking iodine, um, there is a possibility that if all they want to do is to take iodine and start today, for example, that that actually can cause more damage because um, it actually triggers more of the harmful effects from the radioactive iodine that's already in your body. Um, there's a complex set of reasons why that is, but um, the, the good news is, is that <laughs> uh, by taking the, these other products that were already talked about, like the chlorella and the spirulina, um, then this, eventually this iodine can be neutralized and, and then taken out of the body. Um, and then it'd be helpful to take things like kelp. Uh, but make sure that you uh, get your sources now from the Atlantic Ocean, of uh, the kelp or the bladderwort, uh, the, uh, the different kinds of seaweed that are grown in, in the Atlantic Ocean. Most of the uh, radiation effect that, uh, that came out of Chernobyl uh, did not do as massive a contamination to the Atlantic Ocean as what we're seeing now with the contamination out of Fukushima for the Pacific. Um, but having said that, it's going to take a while for that Fukushima, uh, uh, you know, uh, do- uh, dosing of the Pacific Ocean to affect the current products that are on the market. The current products of kelp, chlorella, spirulina, they're all fine. They're going to be fine for quite some time. But these are algaes, and the first thing they like to do is to grab onto the radioactive metals like cesium and strontium, but also they'll, they'll grab onto radioactive iodine as well. So eventually down the road we have to not eat those products from the Pacific Ocean. Um, so those, those are th- uh, clues there. And then there are things that we can do with our diet. For example, uh, in my book I talk about how to eat lower on the food chain. Very healthy foods, foods we all enjoy, uh, but, but don't eat uh, where uh, over time these radioactive particles are going to become uh, really stored in, in large numbers of. Uh, like, for example, way down the road, we're going to have to worry about meat. Uh, in Chernobyl, the kids are not being fed milk to this very day because uh, of the, uh, uh, you know, of the cesium and the strontium that's in there. It's absolutely devastating to the, to the children over there. They're coming out with major, major birth defects. Uh, their their IQ power is much lower. They're more prone to all these different chronic degenerative diseases. Um, and that was because, in some cases, the mothers didn't realize that drinking cow milk while she was pregnant was going to cause these problems. Uh, the entire country of Belarus is in trouble as a result of this and will be so for another 100 to 200 to 300 years. When you say in uh, trouble, what do you mean? Well, with their food chain. Any, any food that's grown in that area is going to... It has to incorporate these radioactive particles that have fallen down into the soil and, and into the water supply. 
So it just it just keeps on getting recycled back into their food chain there. Is this and the worst? Is is the Fukushima nuclear fallout? Is this, in your estimation, the worst catastrophe ever in the history of mankind? That's a. I'm glad you said that. I uh, the uh, there were words that were expressed by the executive vice president of Areva in a secret closed-door meeting at Stanford University on March 21st to the top nuclear experts that were in the area. And they presented a 33-slide uh, power deck uh, going through exactly what did happen from March 11th right up until about March 20th. And at the end of the, of the PowerPoint presentation, and I believe I'm quoting him fairly, fairly accurately, he said, ladies and gentlemen, what we are witnessing here is a, one of the worst disasters in modern times. That's almost a direct quote. Um, it may be the worst disaster because even when they were blowing up nuclear bombs, they were only, at the, on average, about 50 pounds of payload. What we're talking about are tons and tons and tons of nuclear material that, was, that has now entered into our environment just from the Fukushima event alone. When you talked about uh, eating low on the food chain, can you give us some examples? Sure. Instead of, uh, you know, instead of eating meats and fish, uh, you eat your fruits, vegetables, your grains, uh, your whole grains, your beans, your peas, um, and if you, you know, what you want for your proteins, uh, the spirulina is very high, it's about 70% protein, chlorella is the same way, those are capsules you can take. Most people are still drinking milk or eating cheese. I would suggest that people get cheese from parts of the world that are known not to have these Chernobyl fallouts or uh, what will be uh, you know, from the Fukushima uh, here in the U.S. with the dairy herds on the West Coast. Um, that's something that's not going to be safe. Now, the cheese that's already in the stores, that's fine because, you know, that was already two years in the making and it's already packaged and, and so on and so forth. But I would not uh, be drinking milk here on the West Coast. Everyone says, oh, it's fine, but yet there is cesium, there is iodine, there is radioactive strontium now in our, in our milk supplies. And this is one of the things that the EPA decided to stop taking record of. Just crazy. Now the the kelp and the algae and uh, these are these are things that are in in capsule form. How how often should we be taking these? I mean, is this is this something that we have to now do for the rest of our lives every day? Yes, uh, unfortunately, yes. Uh, now there's going to be all bunch of people out there saying this is crazy, but you know what? The data is there. I stand on solid data. It's foolish not to slowly, in 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 baby steps, start taking these very uh, good actions that are just generally good for the body as a whole, whether we had to deal with this issue or not, and to start eating uh, in ways in which will actually make us thinner and feel better anyway. Um, but we don't have to do it all at once. We can take certain measurements, right? Uh, uh, you know, we can start incorporating the tools right now of the, of the kelp and the spirulina, uh, but don't go real radical with the kelp. Go real easy. There are there are people that are eating a lot of refined flour products, and their bodies are loaded up with bromide. And when iodine is taken in uh, above normal doses for the person, it pushes out the bromide, and it comes out through the skin, and you can have what looks like a little bit of an allergic reaction to the kelp. It's not. 
it's because you're pushing this toxin of bromide out out of your body and over time with drinking enough water as long as as long as it's good water um you know you, you that'll come out of your system and you have no problems taking the kelp but there are other people who have autoimmune disease uh there and of course radioactivity will make that worse and they'll tend to react to uh to iodine so my book will describe how to deal with that it's not it's difficult to describe over a, a radio show. It has to be put down in print. But uh, there is a way to, to deal with it. Well, what do we do about the, the water supply? Let's say uh, here uh, in, uh, in uh, eastern North America, the eastern seaboard, uh, we had uh, Joseph uh, taking Geiger counter readings of the, uh, the water here in the Toronto area. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the, the level of the background, it's above the background radiation level. What do we do with our water supply? How do we handle it? It's not difficult. First of all, the uh, with the it, the radioactivity is not going to enter into the water table. So if it, it'll enter into the sewage treatment plants, it'll enter into the reservoirs or you know the lakes and all that. Uh, if if your water supply comes from the water table, like a well system, you're not going to have problems with uh, this radioactivity. I don't think ever. But if you're taking your water supply from lakes and streams or uh, is being recycled through, uh, you know, through the sewage treatment plants, yes, uh, you will have difficulty. So you can then, I wouldn't recommend you go to bottled water because they'll eventually have the, uh, the same problem. Most bottled waters aren't really filtered very well. There, there are a few, and of course, they'll be, they'll be okay. But you just can set up a charcoal reverse osmosis filtration in your own home uh, you can get the real cheap units, or you can get the more expensive units that last longer. According to your budget, it's just a good thing to do anyway. Or if you have a good well in your backyard, just go ahead and continue using that water. All right, Dr. John Apsley, stay with us. We're going to keep this rolling. Uh, if we're talking about perhaps the greatest catastrophe ever facing mankind, I think it deserves at least another half hour. And uh, we'd like you to get on board, especially if you have a Geiger counter uh, and you're located anywhere in the listening area from, uh, again, Thunder Bay to the Carolinas and from Maine to Minnesota, would love to hear what kind of readings you're getting on your little handheld unit. Again, the number's to call 416-360-0740 from the GTA and uh, just about anywhere else, toll-free, 866-740-4740. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show along with Dr. John Apsley. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. 
Welcome back. Dr. John Apsley is with us. And uh, the website is drapsley.com. Doctor, spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, Apsley, A-P-S-L-E-Y, drapsley.com. Uh, the ebook uh, concerning uh, how to uh, remedy this nuclear fallout, the radiation, uh, is due out after in, uh, in the summer sometime. The name of the book and how do we get a hold of it? Yes, it'll be due out before the 10th of June. I plan on having it done this week, and it'll be available on Amazon or my website. Um, the, uh, it, and, of course, it'll be cheap. It'll be inexpensive. I just want to get the solutions out to folks so um, they can protect themselves and their family. And uh, it'll be, of course, available. Uh, the, the full title will be available on my website. Um, but it's, it's, it's entitled Fukushima. And uh, then, you know, what the solutions are. So it, you can't miss it. It has a big mushroom cloud on the front cover. It's rather rather dramatic. I apologize for that. Uh, but it's very solution-oriented. And I, and I totally document what the problem is from totally uh, reliable sources. That's real important because there's going to be such great skepticism out there with the people in your audience that are going to be the first adopters to, to protect themselves. They're going to want to share it eventually with their friends and uh, an extended family and it'll be nice to have real solid documentation that will back up what might otherwise sound like, wait a second, they're telling us everything's fine. We, we trust our government. What are you saying that you know, we, can't, we can't rely upon this anymore? What are you talking about? Well, the data has to be laid out, and that's what the, the other mission of the book is all about. All right, let's say hello to Fred in Port Huron. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning, Fred. Hi there. I wanted to know if... Uh, Dr. Apsley could repeat uh, the uh, information regarding the radioactive plumes that were being monitored uh, by, the, I guess, the Norwegian. Is it possible to go on the website somewhere and, uh, and, and keep track of all that? Okay, yes, yes, Dr. Apsley, the name of the website for tracking these radiation plumes. Yes, yes, it is, it is uh, possible to... Uh, there are several websites. Um, uh, let me, I'm in front of my computer now. I have to pull them up. But uh, it's called the NILU, N-I-L-O, dash Atmos, A-T-M-O-S. Uh, and, and it's the satellite. That's the, their name of their satellite system, which is taking these measurements 24-7 now. And um, there's a group in Australia that has a, a great satellite system, um, there's two or three others that I've been using, and one of the things I've been doing is to compare these different satellite systems and their measurements against one another. And one of the things that I can't quite figure out right now is that when all of them go down at one time across the board and when the EPA all of a sudden their measurement um, stations here across the U.S. went down about the same time period, and then they count, when they come back online... It's almost like that they recalibrated or something. Now, this is, this is just an opinion. I, I don't have anything solid to back it up. But the way they, they take the measurement readings are at ground level and at 5,000 feet and at 15,000 feet. They can see where the radiation is. Most of it hangs about the 15,000-foot level down to about the 5,000-foot level. And that's why when rain occurs, you want to be out of the rain because it comes right down on you from that. Rain, water loves to get a hold of these metal particles 
uh, and then it just drops down on you. I have a, a, an actual uh, URL here. Uh, you don't need the triple uh, W. It's just transport dot nilu n i l u dot n o, which would be for Norway. So transport dot nilu dot n o. Uh, that'll probably get you there, but uh, f- uh, further to that, it's uh, forward slash products forward slash Fukushima. So again, it's transport.nilu.no forward slash products forward slash Fukushima. And uh, there they have the, uh, uh, they have an interactive tool. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that does, but uh, they have uh, special forecast products and uh, something called a flex part forecast product as well. Once more, transport.nilu.no forward slash products forward slash Fukushima. Uh, and there are probably uh, others as well. Um, that's just one that I've, I've located so far. The most accurate one I've seen is at urad.uni, U-N-I, that is, then dash, K-O-E-L-N dot D-E. And uh, it it seems to be the one that um, is avoiding all of these crashes and potentially recalibrations of what's really going on. I, I like what, what that system is showing. All right. Thank you for that. Fred in Port Huron, I appreciate the call. Terry is in Tennessee this morning. Good morning, Terry. Welcome to AM740 here in Toronto. Yeah, I have two questions. The first one was about the milk supply, you say, being bad in the future. What what about dried milk uh, in that respect? And the second question, while I was waiting to come on, um, on groundwater, you say well water would be good. Well, doesn't radon affect groundwater? Yes, and uh, radon gives off a unique form of radiation waves. Um, one of the things that happens when you get the other kinds of radiation from man-made sources is that uh, it can compound the negative effects coming off the radon. But if you're using a filter system uh, that uses charcoal and reverse osmosis, you're going to be taking out all of these particles. And for a lot of wells that are not going to get exposure to these uh, aerosols of radioactivity from Fukushima, um, a lot of these wells don't have any radon readings. They're really low. There are some, of course, that do. And it's very common to have a radon problem, and you have to look at how much. One of the things about regeneration that's really kind of cool is that you can take a damaging event and totally turn it around to your advantage to induce accelerated repair. So what do I mean by regeneration? I mean regeneration that's not supposed to happen if you're 70 years of age. You're not supposed to repair a really bad wound in three days. It usually takes you three weeks. But when you're young, you do it in three days. Well, there's a way that a 70-year-old, by taking things like we've been talking about tonight, chlorella, uh, spirulina, and, and, and other, other things, that they can repair in three to four to five days. Um, well, if you're being exposed to radiation poisoning now, consider this to be an ongoing sunburn that's occurring all the time inside your body once these particles come in. So there's two things you have to do. You have to neutralize uh, the damage that's going on at at that very moment, and then you have to remove the particle from the body. But because the body then is getting extra protection, it will ramp up its repair mechanism as a reaction 
because it's being more damaged. It's just a natural thing that we're endowed with. We have this built into our blueprint. So if you harness that properly, because these are low levels of radiation, even though they're very harmful to you, you can not only keep up with it, but you can induce accelerated repair across all of your tissues beyond that of what's being damaged just from the internal sunburn that's taking place. And that's also in my book of, of how to do that. It, it's all spelled out, and it's, it's the reason why that the radon act, radioactive springs, the hot springs from across the world, like in Ikra, Greece, or in places in Japan, uh, coincidentally, have been used for thousands of years to help people cure themselves of arthritis and even cancer. But you only dose yourself for a short time period. It doesn't tend to work in people who are really old because they have such a low level of antioxidants in their system. But it does tend to work for people between 20 and 55 years of age quite frequently. However, like I'm saying, with the young and with the old, all we have to do is to put these uh, substrates, these foods, I call them superfoods, into the body so that a 70-year-old can get all of the benefits out of that type of, of, of treatment. All right, Terry in Tennessee, thank you for the call. Good to hear from you. Uh, Dr. Apsley, the, the obvious question that comes to mind is, given the gravity uh, of this situation, why, I mean, I, 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 at the risk of sounding like I'm constantly harping on the, uh, the, uh, the, the mainstream uh, news media, uh, but let's face it, they are uh, a safeguard for us. They are our, one of our first lines of defense. And I just feel that in many instances, and here, here we go again, they're letting us down. Why are they not on top of the situation? Why are they not asking the, the, these questions? And why are they, being, why are they allowing the, 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 the collective wool, if you will, to be pulled over our eyes? <laughs> well, I have a good story to answer that, I hope. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, back, back many thousands of years ago, there was a prince who was walking down a beach, a beautiful beach. And uh, like all senior politicians, his life was always in jeopardy of possible assassination attempt. And as he was walking down calmly this beach, an arrow pierces his thigh. And it so turned out that the arrow was known to be poisonous as well. It was a poison-tipped arrow. And instead of having his surgeon, which was with him, immediately treat him and take the arrow out, he sat on the beach and asked, who did this? Why did they do this? What, 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 what did I do that, that caused them to want to hate me so much that they send a poison arrow into my thigh? Well, we should talk about those whys, but right now we have to take the arrow out of our thigh. And then we have direct experience on what the solution is and then when we go forward and start talking to our neighbors and our extended family, we are solution-based. So that when we start then saying to everyone else who may not be aware, they might just be ignorant, unintentionally or in intentionally, um, they know that we have experience with a solution and they might be willing to give up their ignorance and learn and really learn. This pet cow effect has been around since 1972, and yet the entire scientific body that I've seen here in the United States absolutely refuses to talk about it. 
and it's de- it's been devastating to the American public. We've we've had so much damage done because no one was out there saying, "Look, we have this pick cow effect. Please take antioxidants on a regular basis. They're not expensive." And it will save your kids and you, and we won't have all these chronic illnesses, and we won't have to worry about socialized medicine here in this country, or at least not quite so much. The United States is now entering into a time period where one out of every other person is going to come down with cancer. And I'll bet you that radiation is involved with nearly all of them in one form or another. It might not be the major cause, but it certainly is a major contributing element throughout most of the population. So these are... This is why we need to stay solution-focused first, and we can't be solution-focused unless we also educate ourselves. So if it's going to be, it's up to me, and then our government will have to follow after the fact. Our government is too entrenched with what's called normalcy bias. It's well-known in psychology. It said, oh, there's a crisis in Fukushima? Oh, no. Oh, I long for the days of just going back to being normal again. I don't want to deal with this new stress. I've got enough stress handling my boss here at work. So after a few days, when everyone's all excited, what happens? Everyone begins to forget. Our government officials then say, everything's fine. And then we, and then we all get involved with this normalcy bias. We have to be on guard now because our survival and our longevity is going to depend upon it. I, I understand where you're coming from. Now is not the time to, to start, you know, asking, you know, why are we being lied to or who's responsible for the lie, etc., because we have to deal with the, the actual situation immediately. And maybe, you know, in this case, we're on our own, so we have to educate ourselves. But I guess the overarching question is then, um, if there is uh, negligence, uh, if there is a, a deliberate uh, attempt to to reveal the, the the true health risks long term short term and the, the the remedies, then it becomes a question of whether this is not the actual uh, disaster itself, but uh, seizing upon the disaster some sort of I don't know depopulation a- a- agenda. Maybe they they're, they're saying okay, well maybe this is the best thing because we've got you know we're on the eve of you know seven billion people on this planet. Let's not tell them to take help. Uh, let's not tell them to take algae. Let's just let this thing take its course because it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's for the good of the planet. Right, and of course the southern hemisphere is not being affected by all this, particularly Africa, which has just oodles worth of natural resources undeveloped. Um, well, so you have an unconscious conspiracy, which is what you said at the end. Well, let's just let this thing take its natural course. We didn't cause it. We didn't cause the tsunami. We didn't cause the earthquake. I know there's some people that think that the U.S. government actually arranged for the earthquake to occur. And then there's the conscious conspiracy where the EPA stops taking measurements because they want it all to go away. Um, The whole thing boils down to ignorance. Either we're ignorant because we don't have the solutions to overcome our difficulties because we didn't see far enough ahead and we allowed for the the nuclear power uh, industry to contaminate our federal agencies globally, not just in the U.S., but everywhere. And it became policy not only with President Eisenhower, but for every president since then and also the other rulers of the other prime ministers of other countries. Um, And now they're sitting on top of this and they're saying, you know, we've got people to feed. 
our economy will crash if we don't have enough electricity. We have to maintain our nuclear power plants. Otherwise, we're just going to come apart. Well, there is a legitimate argument there. There is, because we would all go dark. But on the other hand, if we, if we continue down that path, then forget about the conscious conspiracies. We're on a fish tank, and the fish tank's getting foul. And eventually, you will have a population culling. You'll have massive death. You have to have the thing perfectly set up to recycle properly. And we can do that. We have enough smart people uh, that we can put our heads together, but it's going to have to be individuals. It's, the, 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 there's only been a small number of individuals at any great moment of crisis that have turned things around. Everyone else sits around trying to figure out what to do, or they're all in a panic, or they're all fighting against each other. We have, uh, at these moments, is where we do have these great leaders arise. And then they tell us, look, these are the solutions, spread the word, we have the internet now, we can, we can do this. We can switch this around, re, uh, despite our government being bureaucratically slow over doing anything. So we, we can do this, we can turn this around. DrApsley.com, the website, uh, thank you for this, uh, Dr. John. Well, thank you, sir. All right, take a quick time out back, uh, put a few uh, notes together for you, and uh, give you a heads up on next week's program. Stay with us, The Conspiracy Show. It's not done yet. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Uh, Terrific news uh, for those of you who are fans of The Conspiracy Show on television. Of course, we just wrapped up season one. Uh, Our last episode aired April the 1st. And uh, at some point, of course, those episodes will repeat on Vision TV here in, uh, across Canada. Uh, channel 60, if you're on Rogers, and uh, I believe Bell Direct is channel 261 or something like that. Anyway, check your local listings. But the news, the good news is, and I'll have a formal announcement in the next couple of weeks. The good news is we have been renewed for season two. And uh, a brand new 13 episodes will... Uh, debut in the fall. I don't have an exact date, probably in September, I'm guessing, again, on Vision TV. And uh, we'll also have some details on uh, some international sales for the uh, Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. So, we're uh, we're very excited and uh, we're uh, about to head out on the road once again and start uh, uncovering some great uh, conspiracies and uh, paranormal supernatural uh, phenomena as well. And... Uh, it's 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 I, I miss it. Um, we finished uh, production probably early March, uh, and uh, we were on the road down in uh, in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Got back, uh, and then it just stopped. And then all of a sudden, we're sitting around saying, "Now what do we do?" <laughs> you it, uh, as much as I hate to be away from the family uh, for an extended period of time, I tell you, uh, life on the road 
it can be inconvenient, it can be, sometimes it's difficult to eat healthy and so forth, but uh, it gets in your blood. And uh, I, I really, I can't wait to get back out there uh, and start interviewing uh, these amazing uh, researchers and, and uh, eyewitnesses and uh, investigators and so forth. So, again, The Conspiracy Show, um, renewed for Season 2 on Vision TV. And uh, I'm going to bring my, my uh, TV partners and um, producers back on the show in a couple of weeks, and we'll make a, a formal announcement, and we'll have some news about uh, where else in the world The Conspiracy Show will be playing. Uh, and maybe we'll, um, we'll uh, open up the lines and get uh, questions and comments and suggestions for uh, other episodes. Uh, a quick heads up. Next week on the program, that would be the 15th. Uh, reporter at large, Janet Phelan, will be here uh, to discuss deadly inheritances. A uh, very interesting phenomenon in, uh, in the United States I don't know to what extent it happens up here, um, but when someone, perhaps an elderly individual, your relative, let's say, is um, ruled to be uh, incapacitated mentally, physically, a court often will order uh, someone to to uh, you know to, to take over their affairs, and uh, there's something that's rather nefarious and sinister that's going on in some cases down in the U.S., where some private organization will assume almost a power of attorney for that person. They will volunteer, and they will put that person in a horrible, horrible uh, facility to live out their final days. They then control that person's estate. So obviously they don't want to be spending money on uh, you know, proper care for that person. So they'll put them in the worst horrible conditions and uh, basically live off that person's estate. This is happening. And uh, uh, Janet Phelan has uh, drawn attention to this uh, and actually has had some very high-profile um, legislators, I believe, in her crosshairs. Uh, and so she'll tell us all about that next week. Janet Phelan will discuss deadly inheritance. Our paranormal investigator, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, uh, returns to the program after some absence, and she'll talk about her latest book on uh, uh, what would have become known as genies in popular lore, uh, but they're actually known as Jinn, D-J-I-N-N. And uh, a rather nasty uh, a paranormal creature. She'll tell us about the vengeance of the jinn. And uh, then the following week on the 22nd, Dr. Robert Duncan, uh, who was to be with us several weeks ago, uh, uh, but uh, for schedule conflict, it didn't happen. He'll, he'll be with us to talk about his new book on mind control. And uh, around that same time, Dr. Jerome Corsi will be back on the program. Uh, he's written a whole new book on uh, the whole uh, birther issue. It's not going away, folks. If you think Donald Trump, uh, his challenge was, uh, was answered by uh, President Barack Obama and uh, it's, it's been finally laid to rest, you couldn't be further from the truth. It hasn't even started yet. Jerome Corsi will be with us to discuss uh, President Obama's birth certificate um, scandal. All right, my thanks to uh, Griffin March for, once again, his very capable 
um, abilities behind the uh, the board. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash Richard Serrett, all one word. And, of course, the website, your portal to the conspiracy show, richardserrett.com. Back next week. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.